we are who we are. We should not change anything other than our relationship with Jesus. Hello? Our relationship with Jesus depends on everything we do, everything we say. Our relationship with Jesus. My question to you and to me is, do we have a relationship with Jesus? Well, I've heard about him. That won't get it when you stand before God. Why should I let you, Kenny Ord, into my heaven? Only one reason God should let me in, and that's because I have invited the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart by the blessed Holy Spirit of God. No other reason will I enter heaven other than having Jesus right here. Now, the Holy Spirit's real, okay? And when we invite Jesus into our heart, the Holy Spirit is what comes in and lives forever. He will not leave us. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He is my guide. He is my guard. He is my coach. And sometimes we don't listen and we get into trouble. This morning's scripture is in Numbers, Numbers chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. So how did Numbers get its name? Numbers, because it has a lot of genealogy in it. It starts out with genealogy, the numbers of people. And so we want to look at this this morning. I don't want you to get discouraged as we try to read and pronounce these names I don't want us to get discouraged, so let's look at it together. Numbers 21, 1. And when King Arab, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, if you remember that story, there were 12 spies. They were sent into the land to check it out before the crowd went over there. And the twelve came back, and ten of them said, Hey, there is no way we can go over there and take the land. You wouldn't believe the giants that are over there. And they, they're as many giants as there are grasshoppers. There was ten spies, but there were two more. Joshua and Caleb said, You know, they're right. There are giants over there. There are a lot of people over there, but we can take it. Two verses 10, it said, we can take it. So that's what he's talking about there. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. Oh, King Arab, he was not a good king. He took some of the Israel's, Israel's children and made prisoners of them. Verse 2 says, and Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, if thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened. In other words, the Lord heard and answered to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. And then, they, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities and called on the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Horb by the way of the Red Sea. Do you remember when Pharaoh finally let the children of Israel go? Moses is their leader. They got to the Red Sea. And Moses is wondering, what are we going to do? They could hear the rumbling of the chariots behind as they were coming. And so God said, Moses, hold your rod up over the sea. And Moses, when he lifted it up, the Bible says that the sea parted and the children of Israel went through there on dry ground. As they touched the land on the other side, 
the, the, the uh, Pharaoh's army with chariots and horses were in the midst of that, river, of that sea and God turned it loose and it came back and the Bible says they all perished. They drowned. But the children of Israel were delivered. That's the Red Sea part. Then the, the Bible says to compass, that is to go around the land of Edom and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. They were discouraged. Now listen to me. No less, now I didn't say this is how many, no less than 603,250 men were in this group. And they were, they were not happy of the way they were, they were leading them. And the people spake against God. Now listen to this. They spake against God. They spake against their leader, Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Why have you done this? But there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loathed it. The words, we dislike this light bread. I don't know about you, but I thought about that. Hey, the light bread that you get. Hey, it's in the grocery store. It says light bread. It don't taste like that good bread, does it? No, it don't taste like it. And they was tired of this stuff that God was sending them and this light bread. And verse 6 says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit some of the people and much people of Israel died because of their whining, because of their griping, because of their complaining. And verse 7 says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. Can you, can I admit today we've sinned? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And so they say we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And I'll say this, all of us have been bitten by sin. We know what it is like. We've been bitten by it. But when they looked, when they were bitten, they looked up at this fiery serpent on this pole and they were able to live. Listen, we've all been bitten by sin, but Jesus was strung up on the cross and died for you and me. And we must look to Jesus if we want to be healed, if we want to live. Verse 9 says, And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole and came to pass that if a, if a serpent had bitten any man and when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in Oboth. And they journeyed from Oboth and, and pitched, that is, they made camp at Ajibaram in the wilderness, which is before Moab, toward the sun rising. You may be seated. Life can be so complicated. I think sometimes when things are going so well, Everything's just, just doing just right. I mean, everything is just like it's supposed to be and seem like everything we touch, it just, it just, just happens. And then all of a sudden, things get rough. Things get tough. We might be asked at work to do more than we're doing. 
We might be asked at work, hey, I can only use you four days now instead of five. We might be asked to leave the job. Things complicated. Listen to me. God knows all the complications that you and I go through. There's not a complication that I face every week that God doesn't know about. I don't know if you noticed the, the reading up on the screen there a while ago that um, Raven put up on the screen. Um, it had to do with uh, the teacher doesn't talk during the test. The teacher remains silent during the test. I remember those days when we'd be having a test. And sometimes the teacher would stay seated at the desk. But there were other times when they were just walking around quietly looking. Didn't say a word. God is that away. When we're under a test, God's just silently waiting till the test passes. He's waiting on us to call on him. You see, God has already done all he is going to do. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's never going to die again. He's already paid for your sins and mine. We, the ones that have to go and redeem that salvation. It's free. It doesn't cost a dime. And whatever, listen to me, whatever is standing in your way this morning, you need to give it to God and put it behind you and move forward. Listen, the children of Israel were only approximately 200 miles from the promised land. But it took them 40 years to get there. You know why? Because of their whining and their griping and they let the complications get in their way and many of those generations died. They never got to go in, including Moses. Complications can get us off track. You see, it's not God's will that any person die and go to hell. That's not God's will. But you and I have to make that choice. Nobody can make that choice for us. And I know sometimes people say, well, I don't want to be bothered with that. When when my time comes, I'll do it. How do you know that you're not going to leave this world before you do it? That's the thing. You see, life is short. I had the oldest person in my family since I've been alive live to be 98. Okay? The youngest that I can recall in my family was like six months. From six months to 98 years, hey, that's a big span. But it's not that long when you think about, hey, I'm 71. I'm on my, I'm on my other side. I'm going down, okay? I got less years out yonder than I've got behind me. And so... We must understand and know what God is saying in this chapter here and to know that one life is all we have to live. One life. I can't live your life. You can't live my life. We have one life to live. So as we look at this, I want to give you four little simple things this morning. First of all, when we think about one life to live, there was a trip. That was before the children of Israel. There was a trip. The trip is before us also. In fact, verse 11 says, and they journeyed. 
They were on the move. They were constantly on the move. And God was constantly sending the quail, sending the manna, and giving water out of the rock constantly for them. But they got sick of it. They got tired of it. Well, hey, I get tired of eating the same thing all, all the time. And I change. I don't say, oh, you know, go to whining and, and griping. You know something? When we're whining and when we're griping, we're not at ourselves. We're not at ourselves. We don't think clearly. We get things all out of sort. And that's what the devil wants. He wants us to gripe. He wants us to complain. So they journeyed. As I said, approximately 200 miles is all that, that lie ahead of them. But because of their griping and complaining, it took decades for them to get to the promised land. And listen, those who told uh, the older generation, who told the younger generation about a, a land flow of milk and honey, that grandpa stage never made it. But they told the young'uns about it. And then those young'uns told what grandpa told to the next generation. And so when they entered the promised land, it was a new generation that entered there. But they had heard about it. But it didn't stop them from griping. It didn't stop them from complaining. The trip before them. You see, life is a journey. Life is a journey that all of us must take. And unless Jesus soon comes, every person in this room right here is, we're going to die. What's it like on the other side? What is it like on the other side? You take a, let's take a casket sitting here this morning with the lid open and a person, a, a body of a person in there. What you lay in there? Don't know, never laid there. But I can say this, that body is dead, okay? It has no life about it at all. It cannot hear, it cannot see, it cannot speak, it cannot smell. But the soul that was moved out of that body is either in heaven because they accepted Christ as their Savior or that soul is in hell because they griped and complained and they decided, hey, I don't want nobody pushing me. I don't want nobody griping at me. I'll do it when my time comes. And the time came and they didn't do it. I think about this also. They don't know it. But when that lid is shut, and then that coffin is put down in that vault. And the lid's put on the vault. And the dirt is thrown over in there. And then the coping's put around. And the gravel's put on there. And then as years go by, people bring flowers and put there. All that's good. I have no problem with that. Where is that person? Will we see them again? You know, I have, I have many friends. I have, I have people I pray for every morning that's lost. You know, Lord, Lord has blessed me and saved me. I'm going to go to heaven, but it's my friends that's lost. Are they going to go to heaven? Are we going to be there together? You see, we all got a journey. And that journey is we own in this earth right here, right now. As I said, unless Jesus soon comes, that journey is going to end. You're going to hear one day, hey, did you hear what happened to Kenny Owen? No, he was killed. Or he had a heart attack. Or he had a stroke. Or something fell on him. He, hey, he's dead. He got killed. He's gone. You won't hear from him anymore. He's out of here. We all have a journey to make. Secondly, not only there was a trip before them and us, but there are trials about us. When we look at verse 11, uh, uh, they were in the wilderness. What's in the wilderness? <laughs> uh, I remember spending the night uh, in a motor home 
in uh, Peoria, Arizona, in the desert. We drove in there during the night. I wasn't driving. I was a passenger. And when we woke up the next morning, the driver says to me, he says, Kenny, you awake? I said, yeah. He said, get up and come on. I got up. He and I were the only two people awake. We slipped out, and we walked, and we walked. And there was nothing out there. It was as dead out there as 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There was not even a sound of a bird. Wilderness. These people were in the wilderness. But God was feeding them, but they wasn't happy. They said, look, how come you take us out of Egypt? Now listen, in Egypt, they had anything they wanted to eat, but they were slaves. They were slaves. In this life that we live right now, you may be lavishing, you may be having everything you want, everything you need. But if you're lost, you are a slave to the devil. And he don't want to turn you loose. That's why when people witness to, to you and, and we witness to the lost, they always have a reason why they don't want to be saved. Because they are a slave to sin. They are a slave to the devil. And that's why when we talk about uh, trials, you know, all of us have trials. There's not a one of us in this room that don't have trials. Uh, not a one. I, I, even our little children. I remember when Caleb was just a child. I mean, it, it, things would bother him so bad. One time he, he, he wouldn't eat and, and just lose weight. Took him to the doctor. He had ulcers as a little child. From worrying. What are you worried about, son? Nothing. I believe even our little children wonder and worry. All the way up to us as adults. According to the Bible, worry uh, is a sin. You see, our journey is filled with trials. Um, put up James chapter 1 verse 2 and let's, let's look at that verse together. My brethren, uh, James is, is uh, he, he's talking to Christians here, okay? My brethren, he says, count it all joy when you fall into divers or different temptations. Now, let me tell you something. God does not tempt man, woman, boy, or girl. The devil tempts us. So, if you're falling into these different temptations, at least you know, as a Christian, you know you're on the right side. Because God does not tempt us. God tests us. Not so he can see where we are, but so we can see where we are, okay? After a test in school, hey, I can look at my test score and know, hey, I'm going to have to do better over here. Or I ain't going to make it. So when we look at that, Count it all joy when the devil attacks us with temptation. Listen to me. Temptation is not a sin. But when we fall for that temptation, then it becomes sin. And sin, when it is finished, the Bible says, brings forth death. A third thing, a life to live. There was a trip before. Uh, there was trials that was going to come. But also there was a, there was a temperament, the character uh, within them. Verse 11, it says uh, they, uh, they camped uh, toward the sun rising. Toward the sun rising. 
you know, when you think back all the way to these people here, they didn't have watches and clocks and what have you. They went by the sun. So to, to count facing the sunshine. So, hey, people used to, some still do, get up by the sun and go to bed by the sun. Okay? But in those days, it didn't have this move your clock up, move your clock backward. Hey, it was what it was. I wish they'd leave it alone, don't you? But this, uh, this time toward the rising of the sun, the, or toward the east is where they, the way they count. Um, you see, we've got to live in hope. The, our hope is in Jesus. And I believe that when Jesus comes, he's coming, and he's going to come from the east. He's going to come from that direction. One night after Wednesday night prayer meeting, there were some children, not at this church, they were out in the cemetery, and they were walking around, and I just went out there to see how they were doing and what they were doing. Here's the question. They said, Preacher, Preacher Kenny, why are all these graves facing this direction? I said, Well, what I understand is they're all facing the east, and when Jesus comes, he's going to come and stop in the clouds in the east. And the dead in Christ, every one of these people, children, that's buried out here that was saved is going to come out of the grave first and they're going to be facing Jesus. Accepted that whether it was right or not. Everybody has their own idea. But you think about it. You think about it. When Jesus comes, the dead in Christ are going to get up. The lost crowd is going to remain in the grave until the judgment. And that's when the, the wrath of God is going to fall on the people who died lost. And it is not going to be a happy, pretty sight. We've got to live in hope. We've got to look forward to tomorrow. I can't do a thing about yesterday. I can only do something about now. I can't do anything about tomorrow. People want to put their salvation on. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it. I'll do it later. What's wrong with now? You see, now, Jesus said, today is the day of salvation. He didn't say yesterday was the day of salvation, and I'm sorry, you've missed it. He didn't say tomorrow is the day of salvation, you'll have to wait. He said today is the day of salvation. You can do it now. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A fourth thing, we're talking about a life to live. There's a trip before us. There's trials that are out there. There's a temperament within us. But also there's a treasure above. There is treasure above. The children of Israel were headed for the promised land. The land flowed with milk and honey. And they, they were, had been talked to this about and talked to it about and knew, hey, this has got to be better than where we've come from. But you see, we've all, a lot of times, got the old generation. I'm in that generation who's a whining and a griping about the way things used to be instead of looking at now and looking at our precious youth who are on fire for, for God and wanting to do things for Jesus, wanting to go on a mission trip and share Christ. Hey, it's that new generation, and we as older ones must ag them on and press on and pray for them. And so, you see, there's treasure above. And we as God's children, we're headed for heaven. The children of Israel were headed for the promised land, flow of milk and honey. We're headed for heaven, a place where God is. It's in, it's in God's house. Jesus said, in my Father's house. Can you imagine? He could have said, in my daddy's house, there's a lot of rooms. 
And my daddy's preparing for you to come. But the only way you're going to get there is to follow me, Jesus said. You've got to come through me. I know how to get there. Remember old Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't even know how to get there. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody's going to come into my father's house. Nobody's going to have a room in my father's house if you don't follow me. I challenge you today. We do have a life to live, and it's one life, and it will soon be over. It will soon be over. And that's why it's so urgent today. Today is the day. It's not tomorrow. And it's, it's a decision you must make on your own. I can't make it for you. You know, if, 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 if this was a possible thing for me to go this morning and get you by the hand and say, listen, I want you to come with me because God wants to save you. Bring you down here and pray with you. That wouldn't be any good. It's got to come from you. You've got to be the one to do it. I, I challenge you today. If you're lost, don't, don't worry about what's out yonder. Don't let the complications overload your mind. Right now is the hour. Right now is the time. And if you pass it up, there's no guarantee that you'll have another opportunity. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, make it easy. Make it easy, first of all, for, the, for anyone that's lost in here today that just might come forward. They may not know even know what to say, but if you've spoken to their heart, they know what they must do. God, give them the courage to walk down here. And Lord, I, I'll do all I can, and I know you will, to see them saved. I pray for all of us who are saved. Lord, if we need to confess our sins, you said if we confess our sins that you're faithful You're just and you'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to be all you'd have us to be. I pray for our guests today. Lord, if they have any decision they need to make, help them to know the altar is open here today. I pray that you would just bless in this invitation hymn. Lord, that we be receptive and responsive to you in Jesus' name. Amen.